I'm sitting around bored, and instead of like doing stupid like doom scrolling, I write uh, podcast That's, scripts. I've stopped the doom scrolling. There's no point. This doesn't this doesn't improve my life. I don't think it improves your life. It improves no one's life. Watch out. You better not cry. Because emotion doesn't bring dollars. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Because people will think you just have a fat lip. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He even made pivot tables. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Ah, I see. This is our jolly Christmas episode, isn't it, Rumman? So, what are we going to read? Well, he sees you when you're sleeping, and he knows when you're awake. I'd say Sandman, actually, but I know we read it already. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. I'm Ryan Joe. And I'm Robin Segel. And we're two dudes who smoked the Yuletide log and roasted one of the reindeer. Because <laughs> the ghost of Christmas past can take a long walk off a short pier. Ho, 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 ho. This week, we're doing what any self-respecting comic book podcast should do. Rewatch and talk about pop culture media set during the Christmas holidays, like Die Hard, Iron Man 3, or Hawkeye? No. Get drunk and stay up late reading Grant Morrison comics. I'll allow it. You had better, because this week we're reading Klaus by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora. Way back when, in 2015, before the world as we knew it changed forever... The two teamed up to give the gift that keeps on giving, an epic comic book fantasy reinvention of Santa Claus. Is it good? Is it great? Does it matter? Because it's fun as hell and delivers every Christmas, and that's what we need right now. Ryan, they actually stopped publishing Klaus in 2019, which kind of sucks because it's when we needed it more than ever. Uh, yes, 2019. That's the year Santa died. <laughs> Well, this is the first time we're hearing about it. And, you know, honestly, this series is kind of like getting socks from your mom for Christmas. I don't know why my mom would get so- get you socks, but, side note, socks might be a shitty gift when you're a kid, but they're a great gift when you're an adult. That is another podcast to litigate on. But, you know, like great socks from Ryan's mom or our Auntie Pinky, you don't think you need them, but it sure does feel nice to put them on and feel warm and loved. Like this comic book. That is exactly how this comic book made me feel. Like all things you'd expect from Grant Morrison. Klaus is wild, weird, and accessible, and an intriguing spin on folklore and myth. Morrison's Klaus is a mix of Batman, Thor, and Doctor Who. He's an immortal demigod who will always do the right thing, the best way, with lots of weirdness involved. He has a sidekick that's basically a giant magic white wolf named Lily, one part Crypto from Superman, one part Rudolph. And of course, Klaus has a cosmic sleigh that can break the laws of space and time. There's also a Santa cave, a League of Santas, and he has his own rogues gallery. And it all started in 2015 with a year one story that unpacks the origins of a mere mortal in a dark and Disney manner. What starts as a pretty straightforward superhero origin, though, gets really effing weird in subsequent years as the Klaus mythology expands in, in annual installments. So, Ramin, I don't remember how we found out about this book. I know you introduced it to me, but I do feel like we've been waiting all year to read this one. So, first off, do you remember how you found it? I don't know, man. I think we're just reading a lot of Grant Morrison. We're like, did you know he made a Christmas comic book? And I think we discovered it right after Christmas. So we're like, god damn it, we have to wait a year for this. So, 
I feel like I've been in, in anticipation of reading this because we've known it's been out there. I feel like we've even talked about Grant Morrison in a lot of different ways over the years. I have no idea. I didn't know what to expect. And so I just kind of gave myself to it over the last few nights. And I'm glad I did. This is just, again, is it good? Is it great? I don't know. It's fun. It's it's kind of a treat knowing that for a while he was releasing one every Christmas. I enjoyed it. And uh, are you eating on our podcast? What's going on? You can hear that. <laughs> I, I usually wait till after the podcast to start eating because I'm a couple drinks in and I need to like try to sober up before I go to bed. Well, I'm still drinking too, but I'm both eating and drinking. You can hear that. I just heard that one crunch. It was a very good crunch. We don't that. Never mind. I was hoping to in. go into comedic territory. Well, I was hoping to go into comedic territory, but you just went literal on me. Where were we? Where was were we? We wees was was where. <laughs> Beeswax. I, you know, what's funny. I appreciated the different elements of it. You know, part one, the miniseries is kind of a fucking weird origin story. And it was fine. It was fun. And I don't think I could have dealt with more superhero Klaus. But when you get into sci-fi superhero trope Klaus, where we're Alan Moore style kind of commenting and paying homage to other stuff and it get, get got meta and weird. I, I was all in for it. Um, it was silly, it was stupid, and it made reference to shit. And that was good enough for me. Especially, you know, in a, another weird Christmas. What, third weird Christmas? Second weird Christmas? I'm losing count. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it, too. It wasn't, you know, obviously it wasn't Grant Morrison's greatest work. It actually feels like <laughs> something he probably sort of dashed off while drunk on drunk on the nog, as it were. Um, and it's, it's actually interesting how much the book changes. There are three volumes, and each volume feels very, very different the first one is very typical origin oh, story. was a superhero right yeah i mean it's basically daredevil man without fear batman year one sort of thing with a lot more levity that's actually everything has more levity than in frank miller but you know what i mean <laughs> someone someone we've not read on this podcast yet <laughs> yeah which actually we, we definitely need to but and and then and then he he gets odd with it you know he kind of introduces the mythology some of these strange cosmic elements you know because the next book the next few books take place in the 20th century and you know klaus has had a lot of adventures and you hear so much more of this mythology around well he's living in a world that's yeah he's you're living in the world that's already been built and established exactly yeah he he talks about yeah, which I really appreciated. He talks about like the civil war on the moon, <laughs> you know, all of this weird <laughs> stuff. And then the third book, I think, goes a little bit too far off the rails. I'm thinking there's a there's basically the frosty the snowman episode, which I think is just oh no the third the third book thing. is the third book is when the, it's the war with Pola Cola. When was Frosty the Snowman? All right. So wait, the first book, 2015, the first book is The Origin. 2016, yeah. Klaus and the Witch of Winter is recast in the modern era and Geppetto right. and the, the Santa Cave. Uh, book right. three is in 2017, Crisis in Xmasville, which is the war with Pola Cola. 2018 right. is Klaus and the Crying Snowman, which is kind That's of like the, the one that Ragnarok the rails. Snowman. Yeah, yeah. I... And then the final book was The Life and Times of Joe Christmas. Wait, to your was point, it's actually, oh, what, what I was going to say is, I think he did the first one on a lark, just to do it, just to see if he could, and how would I do it? And with the second one, he was like, this can't just be a part two, a, another adventure of Klaus. I need to explore this world. And I think every time he sat down to do it, drunk on the nog in November, or whenever he had to start writing it, uh, for the art to be done by Christmas time, 
he almost treated it like a thought experiment. It's like, okay, what if I did this? What if I tackled this genre mm. through the lens of this thing that I made? I want to tackle that. And it's kind of fun to see that. Like, I didn't mind that it got Ragnarok and weird and a little meta with the, you know, the snowman who's like the bad father, etc. Like, because I didn't know where I was going and kind of like some of the other books, by the time I got to the, the weird one, as you're saying, which was, I think, the fourth or fifth installment, I was just kind of, I was, I was letting myself go with it. You yeah, know. I guess you know what I was just when I was reading these, I was, it was sort of like the spectrum of Grant Morrison because mm. you know there's 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 the part of Grant Morrison where he does books that are actually really really good, but also very accessible. You know, like like We Three, I think is one of my favorite Grant Morrison comics. You know, where it's just about it's like Homeward Bound, but with cybernetically enhanced pets. And then you know you kind of have that middle ground where he's really playing with some strange theories. And but, you know, but but the book is still still makes sense. I wonder then, I wonder, Ryan, if these books are being I w- would love to sync up Klaus the years that he wrote each story and what he was writing in other comics. Like if that syncs up the things he was doing, the level of weirdness, the level of takes he was taking. I don't think it's necessarily like a timeline where like when I think of the Grant Morrison books I've read, you know, there are parts of like Doom Patrol, which he did mm-hmm. in the 80s, which are just like to me a little bit inaccessible i always kind of feel he gets he gets a little bit less accessible when i don't know if this is by the way it's today it's by the way it's today now oh they sorry i you know grew up you know referring to grant morrison as he so yeah he Um, only he only came out as they most recently yeah but they 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 they, i always feel that they are most accessible like when you think about the early like like new x-men for instance which we reviewed Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's very accessible in the beginning and maybe towards the end with this finale. And then there's this kind of mushy middle where he throws out these strange ideas and sometimes they land and sometimes they don't. And I feel like that's the case also with like Doom Patrol. Actually, Animal Man is pretty, pretty straightforward all the way through, maybe until the very end. I guess there's always like a point sometimes in, in a Grant Morrison comic where I feel he's getting bored and he just kind of throws weird ideas at you without any real idea of how they fit in. It's just like, okay, here's this, here's this, here's this. And then the Snowman episode of Klaus actually kind of reminded me of that versus like the the earlier episodes of Klaus really kind of felt like some of my favorite Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison comics. I felt like with Klaus, my literal favorites were actually the bookends the the origin Mm. and the and the end uh the life and times of joe christmas i actually read through that one multiple times because it's not a sequential story oh it was i mean the whole thing is just full page splash pages going backwards through the years through guy's life yeah you you see him as an old man and then you know is he's just living a kind of a mundane life and then a couple of pages in you realize that he was oh he was he was one of one of Klaus's side, sidekicks, and then he, and then it kind of goes back into all of the adventures they had back to when he was nineteen, and even when he was a boy in an orphanage. I thought that stuff was extraordinary. Yeah, and I mean the page I went back and reread that one like three times. Uh, the first time I read it a few nights ago, about an hour ago, I decided to reread it. And by the time I got to the last page on my tablet, I started swiping backwards. So I like mm. went from baby and it, it really hangs together. And it talks about this mythology and this world building that, that Morrison's building with these characters. Yeah. And honestly, some of the pages there's, I, I missed it the first time there's Godzilla on one of the pages. There's right. a back to the future homage. There's a, a X-Men days of future past homage. It's right. Um, 
It's great. Yeah, and, there's a lot of and no words and no words. Yeah, there's a lot of great Easter eggs in that. I really love how it tells a, a really good story without uh, the story of a guy's entire life, a life without story, any words well. whatsoever. A life story, but at the same time, you know, you, you know, you also there's also a lot that you can kind of you know where you're reading between the lines. A lot of like mystery there that kind of wants you know, you know, you 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 try to unpack. Like for instance, we have this one panel where this one page where. It's Christmas, and the ornaments are all shattered. The toys on the ground are shattered, and it's just close-up, and you don't know what the hell happened. And, you know, Morrison never explains it. And then you flip the page, and it takes you three years into the past, and it shows this boy with his loving family. And you don't know what happened there at all. Just something horrible happened that landed him in the orphanage. And I just kind of love how Morrison tells these, these, these the story so... It's so simply, right? And with just kind of a few select images. It's bo- actually, it's like he has these broad sketches in this outline. And this isn't even about Klaus. It's about a major character in the Klausoverse, so to speak. And it also it also it builds on the mythology of Klaus because you see all these different sidekicks. It also tells us tales of like tales of life and death because you have that cat. Remember, like, there's suddenly this this cat sort of this, this super cat <laughs> with an eye patch sort of you know shows up and he's old and he's like. Comf- sitting comfortably on the couch on the you know on the table and he's sort of like you know towards his, the end of his days and then you kind of flip to the next page and you're like three years ago and you see the cat again and then you see how much how big a part the cat played in these adventures and you see where the cat lost its eye and why it has an eye patch now as a as a <laughs> as a juvenile and so like there are these like little mini stories that are built into into this sort of epic life story that's all told in splash pages without any dialogue. You know, I almost the thing I, I appreciate that Grant Morrison made it a tradition, but he kind of Sufjan Stevens it. And again, it's the pandemic. Sufjan Stevens set out to make one album about the folklore of every state of the union, and he only got two. You just did albums. Illinois, right? Wait, what's, what's the other uh, one? Uh, Michigan, which is also a fantastic album. I think Michigan oh. was the first album. But so it seems like Grant Morrison was just going to give us a Christmas present every year. Right. And maybe it was the pandemic is the reason he didn't do it. 2020 was hard on all of us. But I almost wish Grant Morrison. I, can you imagine a world where, you know, he establishes Klaus image style. And I thought it was with Boom. And he then hands it off to a creator that he respects and admires and another creative team. And then the next year they hand it off because then every year you would get to like build this lore in this universe and this framework with different creators and, you know, donate all the money, donate all the proceeds to kind of like what the cards against humanity guys do. No, you you know, you could keep it. (laughs) That's what, that's what (laughs) Santa Claus is all about. It is crass capitalism. It's not about Jesus, man. It's about selling more soda and candy. Um, Pola Cola. But I don't know. I mean, it's going to, I feel remiss that this doesn't exist in the world anymore. I mean, it does, but we're not, are we going to get a new one in a few years? Or, you know, it's to your point, not all the stories landed. And so maybe you revisit it every year. It's like, this is a, he's created a bigger, more interesting thing that I think a lot of people could have fun with. In a way, I kind of like not having it filled in, right? I mean, it creates that mystery. You can fill it in yourself, Roman. He's given you a little little bits of, of this world, and you can kind of imagine the other adventures of Klaus. And this is, I think, you know, something that Grant Morrison does frequently. You know, he he 
he talks about the the the, the moon civil war in in doom patrol you know there are sequences where he talks about all of these sort of like mythological things that you know he never really dramatizes it on i don't think he ever has ever any intention to it's all part of this kind of like greater world building and i think once you start explaining everything or trying to articulate everything but that's not but that's not that's not what i was saying what i was saying is let matt fraction or bendis or warren ellis or maybe not warren ellis but you know just let other people have fun with the sandbox i'm not saying fill in the lunar civil war if someone wants to do it they can but what I'm saying is I want more at bats in this universe. I want more batshit crazy stories. And again, I don't need, I don't need it to be linear. I don't need it to be continuity. I don't need it to build on itself. I just want you to exist in the framework that Santa Claus is based off of this immortal demigod named Klaus, who's equal parts, Dr. Who, Batman, and whoever the other person we said in the intro, Conan the Barbarian. I don't give a shit, but you know, like uh, Thor, I, I just, I want to have more fun with this character. Yes. I'm left wanting more, but I wonder if, you know, Morrison had gone to the well too many times with it. And yeah. maybe it's, it's, and because it's a fun holiday sort of thing, I look at what Cards Against Humanity does. Every year, they just have a shitload of fun during the holidays and deliver something that does some good. It entertains us and, you know, it's for a good cause. And I don't know. I, I would like to see more of Klaus because I had so much fun with it. And again, we binged it over the course of one week and as we run into the Christmas holidays. But I it's it's a shame. Klaus is bingeable I, I, though. Unlike Ultimate Spider Man. <laughs> no, but it's but if you know, it would be a nice treat to get one of these every year. All right, Grant Morrison, if you are listening, Roman wants his treat. Well, I don't even want you to have to do the treat, my friend. Give it to one of your beautiful baby friends. <laughs> Grant Morrison's beautiful baby friends. I, I imagine them like popping out of his body, like he's spawning them. Anyway, actually, I was the other thing about just kind of going back to that silent episode. I always kind of feel like Morrison's work is sort of best when he puts interesting narrative constraints on himself. And I'm also kind of thinking about like the silent episode in New X with Cyclops and, also, and Wolverine at the Hellfire Club, right? Yeah, yeah. And then also there is that episode in All Star Superman, which we also reviewed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where Superman has to quell a jailbreak without, with in front of Lex Luthor, without revealing that he is Superman, uh, and it's always these sort of like interesting like rules that Grant Morrison sets up within the narrative that kind of on himself, I always think on kind himself of as a writer on a, yeah, and it always kind of I always I'm always sort of amazed at what he ends up doing with it. It's always kind of like interesting watching him kind of wiggle around these rules and still tell a really amazing story. And I think the last episode of, of Klaus really kind of falls into that category. It's like an entire, a guy's life story told in splash pages, no, no dialogue, no sound effects. Kind of like this podcast. I, what, what in the middle? So we know you didn't like the Ragnarok episode. What else did you like from it beyond the final episode with uh, the story of Joe Christmas? I mean, I think Klaus, works best when he kind of dips into the mythology you know and especially like the first you know the first one right that's where you kind of start that's where you see for the first time his sleigh and it's not just a sleigh it's a cosmic sleigh he has you see like the reindeer pulling the sleigh but it's not reindeer it's a bunch of magical wolves you know my favorite you know my favorite moment is when he is beheading Krampus. You know Krampus, right? <laughs> of course. You know Krampus. He's beheading Krampus, who is revealed to be the arch nemesis of that of the origin story. And as he's beheading Krampus, he says, Ho, 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 ho! 
I thought I just kind of <laughs> laughed out loud when when I and it was a big splash page and it's sort of like that's the Santa mythology. He's like he's got his sleigh. He beheads Krampus on his sleigh in the sky, being pulled by his magical wolves, and he's yelling ho 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 ho. And I thought like like moments like that like kind of made me laugh out loud. Because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Well, yeah, but it's it's when he's really kind of playing with the with the mythos of Santa, all of the iconography around Santa, and giving it to you in a very strange package. And that's that's what works, you know. Throughout Klaus, that's always what worked best for for me. How about for you? I. Uh, bring the weird man just bring the weird i actually it's funny you mentioned that one scene as i was reading on my tablet there were a bunch of scenes where i just took screenshots because it was like i don't i don't know if it was necessarily laugh out loud but it was just like jaw dropping of course he did that like and there were just a handful of moments like that that i genuinely appreciate and even the spectacle you know of there were multiple scenes with him riding the sleigh the cosmic sleigh just how can you not enjoy this? Like, I, I challenge you to read this and, you know, take down all your pretenses and just have some fun. I challenge you to not smile while reading this comic book. And that's why I say I, I want what I need, what we need. Uh, again, it's been a really shitty few years, but uh, every year at Christmas to be rewarded with one of these, like the next installment in this thing, right? I mean, I don't want it to feel obligatory from Grant Morrison, let's have some fun with Klaus every year because we have some fun with Santa Claus every year or kids have to. And, you know, spoiler alert, Santa's not real. He's a construct. What? Of... What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. There's a... I know. But it lets us have some fun as adults with, with this mythology. What did you think of the Pola Cola episode? Because I, I actually really liked that one in, because he's also... I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Because he's it's very you know, more he's on playing, Christmassy. It's very, you know, it's very satirical. He's kind of playing, you know, obviously Pola Cola is an allusion to Coca Cola, and we always know, you know, we know how much of a presence Coca Cola has made itself during the during the holidays. Well, they, you know, they, I mean, really quick to, to go to the Wikipedia corner, they effectively invented the modern mythology of American Santa. You know. Oh, funny. I did not. I didn't know that. You mean the the. I, Santa, I actually the red... didn't know that was a. Oh, that makes. I, I bet Grant Morrison knew that because you know there's actually an allusion to Pola Cola replacing Santa and rebranding him as this you know as a as this big family friendly you know Pola Cola Claus. And the modern, you know, the modern incarnation of Santa Claus that we all know and love in this country and in the Western world is an invention of the Coca Cola Company. So you know what? Yeah, I think that's awesome. You know because if this is it's. It's definitely sort of like a commentary on that where, you know, you have this whole Pola Cola town. And actually, even before that, the previous episode, there's a an abandoned Santa factory and Santa mentions – Klaus, I'm sorry, mentions how it has been – how it – you know, how it was abandoned ever since the war with Pola Cola. <laughs> and it's, it's like kind of funny and you're like, okay, I wonder what that's about. And you get that in a sense in the next in the next episode, in the next issue. Um it actually, you know, Grant Morrison always has a sort of interesting take on corporations. Did you ever did you ever read Marvel Boy? I can't recall if I did. Uh This was yeah, this was oh gosh, I don't remember. This was probably 2000 or something like that. And you know, character called Marvel Boy crash lands and 
he has to take on Hexus, the living corporation. It's an alien being that manifests on Earth as a corporation and just saps up all of the resources. And then when he kills the CEO, you know, another another possessed human body takes his place as CEO. So he can't ever kill, you know, all of them. But it, it, it's it's very similar, right? This parasitic corporation, this this that, that comes from space and takes over, and that's kind of the way that Polacola turns out. Like it's not. I guess it's a it's a human corporation, but it's parasitic, and it has this deal with with space aliens to send them send send the children up into space so that they can be uh, so that the aliens can feed off their dreams. It gets very very almost love, Lovecraftian in a way. Of course, it does. <laughs> yeah, kind of surprisingly so. What did what did you? I'm just curious. What did you like about the Polacola episodes? I it literally tapped into a thing I kind of already knew. I mean, and, and full stop. And it just it dialed it up to 27. <laughs> like we all kind of know that the modern interpretation of Santa Claus, it's this, it's not Norman Rockwell, but it's this Norman Rockwellian kind of image of who Santa should be, what Christmas should be. And as we've already read in multiple volumes of Klaus, Klaus is larger than life and not in a jolly way. He's this mythic figure of legend of, of, of old that is a moral, a just, a weird, a space alien empowered creature. And, Coke is trying to put its arms around it and invent it for its capital. It's it just kind of speaks to look, man. I was raised Hindu and I'm an atheist, but my wife is Catholic, and she finds it hilarious that I celebrate Christmas more than she does because Christmas is an American holiday about giving and being with family and gifts. And man, Indian people, we love our gifts, and so like it's Christmas is a very American holiday. I know it's a Christian holiday. But the way we celebrate in America is very American. And it's all about Santa Claus. It's all about gifts. It's all about the candy and the Coke and the eating. And I don't know. This issue, this episode just kind of spoke to that in a very weird Grant Morrison-y way. And the fact right. that there's been a war going on for this. Like, look, I don't listen to Fox News, but is there a war on Christmas? I don't know. There isn't. But, you know, <laughs> this kind of presupposes the real war on Christmas to me. And this is me speaking as an atheist. The real war on Christmas is for us to overly capitalize and commercialize it. Black Friday is the war on Christmas, not a bunch of uh, Hindus or Muslims feeling bad that we celebrate Christmas at school. That's not the war on Christmas. The war on Christmas is like Target and Amazon and Black Friday and Coca-Cola, so to speak. So, right. So that's th that's actually what I like about it, though. Right. It's another. Yeah. Remember, I said, remember I said, well, remember I said, like I said earlier, like I love I, I like I think class is strongest when he kind of like tips his hat to like the mythology of Santa or the, the, I'm sorry, not the mythology. I would say the iconography of Santa. And, you know, in the first issue in the, in the origin story, it's really kind of like the sleigh, the reindeer, the ho, 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 the, you know, why does he deliver gifts to children? And in the Pola Cola episode, it's really kind of the commercialism that surrounds, uh, yeah. that surrounds Christmas and so he's he's actually I think that's actually really clever because he goes he goes he moves from the the kind of like cheerful iconography and he goes into the, some of the more I guess corporate iconography that inevitably emerges this time of year. You know I, I I thought that was incredibly incredibly clever and it just made the whole book a lot of fun to read and I I love it more you know now that you mentioned okay the whole concept of of Santa Claus as we understand him as we visualize him today was created by Coca Cola. 
Yeah, and again, it's I love Christmas. Don't get me wrong. I like Thanksgiving, but I think what ruins these holidays is when you escape what they're really about, right? Yeah. And I think, and again, it's like I never thought we could ruin Thanksgiving, but the way we ruined Thanksgiving in this country was Black Friday, which is you know an expansion of Christmas. The I hate to say the worst part. Fortunately, though, there's there's Cyber Monday to really kind of take the edge off. But what about Giving Tuesday, right? Like, I mean, it, it's that. Like, I, I I hate to get on my soapbox about these things, but it's just like we. I think this is where we, as our society, it's not we're losing our Christian values. No, we're we're losing our values, and they're not Christian values. They're human values, humanistic values. And I don't know, man. I just want to read some comic books and talk to my friends, right? Like straight up. And this is why I want. The best sci-fi, the best comic books are entertaining, but they're commenting and they're saying something. And even like the episode you didn't like about the the snowman creature who's a bad father. Like, and again, there was more Ragnarok and time travel elements, but there's like a dark. And the thing I didn't like about it was they didn't go deep enough into the dark father story. Like this this broken and this bruised relationship. I wanted more of that instead of Ragnarok and time travel. Yeah, that that was my issue with it. I actually didn't have a problem with the snowman aspect of it, even though I think it's pretty much. Did you ever see that Michael Keaton movie, Jack Frost? I know of it, and I know the plot, so yeah, keep going. Yeah, it's basically the same plot as as, as Jack Frost, <laughs> right? He dies, I think, or whatever, and he he returns as a, as a snowman. But, you know, that's fine. I mean, because that's, you know, Grant Morrison could probably do a hell of a lot with it. The problem is he doesn't do a hell of a lot with it because he gets so caught up with this whole Ragnarok mythology, which has nothing to do with Santa, at least to my knowledge. Actually, our previous guest, Penn, might be able to correct me on that. Is there a relationship between... Santa Claus and Norse Norse mythology. Well, apparently, apparently, in some other article I read, like um, uh, interpretations of Santa around the world or where Santa was interpreted from, Odin came up in there. So I don't know. I you know, but it's 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 very much a story that feels you know the snowman story and the Ragnarok story are two essentially separate stories. There's no real reason for the snowman to be there. I mean, he does kind of have this idea at the end that affects things, but. They're really separate stories. And then bringing in Ragnarok, it really feels like a separate mythology, a separate thing from the Santa stuff. You know, unlike Polo Cola, which is very much about the commercialization of Christmas, unlike the origin story, which is all about the iconography of Santa Claus, you know, he brings in Ragnarok as his enemy. Of course, they're not an enemy at the end, but spoiler alert. Well, well, and again, that that was kind of the more almost Superman-esque. It's like the right solution is to extend a hand and not to fight. But, but right, what, but what's you don't need Ragnarok is, for that. Sure, sure. And so it's almost like, are you running out of ideas? And he really had to put constraints on himself in the next episode to to breathe life into Klaus. And this comes back to my theory. It's like Grant Morrison, let go of Klaus. Let friends play with this mythology. I think there's a you you can come back to the well, but if you're not feeling it, give it to someone else. Like I, I feel well, like I want a Klaus every year. I don't think I need a Grant Morrison Klaus every year. I think, you know, I think one of the problems, if we kind of assume that if, you know, if we say, you know, for me, like if the the strongest episodes were the ones that kind of speak to the, you know, the, the trappings around Christmas, you know, there's only so much you can do, right? I mean, it's not like you can kind of revisit that well over and over and over again. Once you explore the ho, 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 the reindeer, the sleigh. You explore the commercialism. What else, you know, what else is there to explore? I'm sure we could find a few things, but ultimately I think the, you know, the, the, the material actually 
doesn't you know th- there's just not enough of it there to kind of keep to to for this to be sustainable because again when you when you hear about Santa's other adventures they have nothing to do with Christmas. They're all cosmic adventures. At which point, what's the point of him being Klaus? I don't know. I mean, I agree and I disagree. Like, I think there's only so many things any one person can do with it, which is why you crowdsource and you give it away. I would like to see what crazy shit Matt Fraction or Brian Bendis or Bill Willingham or Brian K. Vaughn, you know, or Neil Gaiman or Mike Mignola could come up with this. It, it, it I still think it's fertile enough playing ground. It's, it's a big enough sandbox for a lot of people to have fun with it. And, you know, Grant Morrison's one of the greats and he's not the great, he's one of the greats. And he created an interesting mythology and an interesting universal. If you want to be precious about it and hold it and, you know, retain the rights to do it. Sure. But, or it's like, you know, let's have some fun with it because it really is. It's a gift to read this comic. It's a lot of fun and I'd like to see more of it. And I I don't want to see mediocre attempts. I just want to see more attempts. And, And that wouldn't saturate it for me. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have strong feelings about not seeing it again or, you know, everything has an end. So I've enjoyed what I read. It's been kind of a wild ride. And I think that the best Klaus stories are the ones that really kind of harken back to some aspect of Christmas as we know it or as we think we know it. Mm. And again, this is why I feel like, okay, well, how many more aspects of Christmas can you pull and build a narrative off of? At this point, I feel like he's kind of exhausted a lot of these things. Now, maybe you're right. Some other writer might have some ideas. But at the end of the day, you know, if you put Klaus up and fighting, you know, aliens on Jupiter, it, it stops being Klaus and it starts. Being yeah, you, you, don't, you don't you don't fighting. want to read that episode. You want to know that that exists in the mythology. Yeah, no, exactly. He starts. I mean, you, we don't need to turn him into Flash Gordon or anything. Did you like the the, the crying snowman episode, the Ragnarok episode? I it was three different stories. So separately, if it was three volumes or told in three parts, which I think it might have been, it wasn't the strongest, but I didn't dislike it, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it was just by that point, I was like, okay, shit's getting weird. I'm kind of letting go. Let's see where this goes. So, yeah, I enjoyed it up and I I I wouldn't mind reading more of these. Like, But to your point, it's like maybe you you should be left wanting more. You know, you always want to leave the party when people want you to stay. You don't want to still be at the party when everyone wishes you had already left. Yeah, yeah. So I guess your question, actually, here's my question. Would you recommend it? To someone who reads comic books, yes. That's kind of interesting. Like, so many times we we look for comics to share with people who don't read comics. A lot of our guests don't read a lot of comics. But this was a comic book gift for people who read comics. There's a lot of throwbacks to sci-fi mythology, to tropes, and to styles, and... I think Klaus, if if you have a friend who likes the great writers of modern superhero comics but is looking for something different this Christmas, put this in their stocking. But for non-comics readers, I don't know. But uh, this was a fun discovery, and you and I are, are pretty steeped in comic book lore, and I think we got a lot out of it. Probably a lot more than a non-comic book reader would. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'd, I'd recommend it. I It's, it's you know, probably conditionally. Um because it's it's not a book where you need to bring a lot, you know, because some comics you kind of have to know, you know, the history in order to really get into it. This one you don't. I think everyone is sort of familiar with, everyone's familiar with Santa Claus. And I think it's sort of a, a trip to see, to see, to see the, the mythology kind of reimagined in this strange psychedelic 
way. I mean, like, when Santa gets his powers, right? Remember how he gets his powers? He basically plays a flute, <laughs> sniffs some herbs, and goes on, like, uh, and goes on a bit of a bender. And then he No, man, the aliens, the aliens. The aliens the, gave him his powers. The Shining... We Are the Shining family aliens? We don't... Do they... There are like some sort of creatures that live in the woods and that shine and then that kind of like ride around <laughs> on rainbows. And I thought once that happened, by the way, that's when I was like, this feels like a Grant Morrison comic book because there's always <laughs> there's always like there's always some, you know, there's always some I wouldn't say always, but frequently there is some complete trippy moment in one of his comics. Either usually it's illustrated by Frank quietly, but <laughs> there's always some some moment where you just like feel your mind sort of melting a little bit. And when Santa like decides to play a song for the shining people and you know, he goes on a, on his, like on his little trip. That's, that's when I'm like, okay, Grant Morrison's version of class is here. <laughs> so Ryan, I, I do have one final question as we race towards the end of the year in the holiday uh, season. Uh huh. What are we doing next week? Well, we're not reading anything next week, but we are going to do our hot takes on all of the different comic book related shows and movies that came out from Wonder Woman 84 all the way down to are we going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home? Uh, is it what is it? No Way Home? <laughs> uh, Spider-Man 3. <laughs> technically Spider-Man 8. Spider-Man 8. Are we going to talk about Spider-Man 8? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It depends if you want to count the Avengers movies as well. It could be eight to or nine. Captain America. Eleven. Movies, yeah. It could be eleven. Yeah, it could be eight to eleven, possibly. Are we going to talk about Spider-Man Eleven? I don't know, but all I know, yeah. Ryan, is bring your tuxedo. All right, Wonder Woman eighty-four to Spider-Man Eleven. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.